And I want you to grab your Bible this morning as well. As we're taking and studying the doctrine of godliness and working through different uh, passages of Scripture and elements that really teach us about being godly, being like our God who made us and saved us, and that's our desire as we walk through this Christian life. So take your Bibles this morning, turn with me to the first epistle of Peter. There's two epistles he wrote there over towards the end of the New Testament. And the first one we're in there today, and we're going to be in chapter 1 in just a moment. This fisherman has some good instruction for you and for me about living godly lives. In fact, some would say his old epistle is about the purity-driven church. A church, listen, that's not driven for its purpose, it's driven for purity, to be like the God who saved us. Have you ever heard this quote before? The God who made us, made us for himself, and our hearts are restless till they find their rest in him. Augustine, the great church father, uh, quote, penned those words uh, when he was in his confessions. And if you've never heard of Augustine of Hippo, a hippo has nothing to do with the creature. It's actually a city in Algiers in northern Africa. Uh, but Augustine grew up in, in northern Africa. He was born there in a region called Numidia, which has to do with the word nomad in many ways. That's what Augustine did. He wandered through a lot of life trying to find peace for his soul. And as he wandered from place to place, trying all kinds of things to find significance and meaning in life, he in some ways was just like Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes, who chased after all kinds of things and never found satisfaction. He tried pleasure, he tried entertainment, he tried women, he tried wine. Augustine did all these things. He said, I was just chasing after shadows. Vanity is all that it was. A reflection of what you would read there in Ecclesiastes. But one day, he heard some children who were singing a little song. And they were singing, they said, take it up and read, take it up and read. And so he did. He took up the New Testament and he read it in the book of Romans. And what he discovered was Jesus Christ was there and met him and gave him salvation. And he realized that, you know what, all I've been wrestling with in life, trying to find rest for my soul, I finally discovered it. And it's only found in Christ and in God. What happened? He became an apostle. Uh, um, he became a bishop and, uh, and served the Lord and grew and was an influential leader in the church in the early 400s. And some say he's the greatest theologian, the most influential one since the Apostle Paul. And in many ways, the way we think about theology today is influenced by Augustine. And like him, many of you are restless this morning. You're wrestling with God and you're trying to find rest for your soul and you will never find it apart from him. And when you're studying the doctrine of godliness and what it means to be like him, the topic that we come to today in our study emphasizes that in order to be godly, we've got to be God-centered in our ways of thinking. We'll try everything this world has to offer. Many of us have, and we've discovered it never satisfies. And the truth is, until we find our rest in Christ, until we try to find our rest in God and place him at the center of our life, we will not find peace. Everyone has a center in their life. There's something that's at the center of your life today. What is at the center of my life? For some, it's money and the pursuit of it and the obtainment of it, and we'll do everything we can to acquire it. Some of us, our life is centered around our career and the goals and everything we have to do to advance it. Some center their life on entertainment and some hobby, entertaining ourselves. And as one wrote a great book, we're entertaining ourselves, frankly, to death. 
Some have centered their life on their children, their family, or even themselves. Stop and think about it. Even now, in this digital age in which we live, how many followers do we have? And everything we have to do to make ourselves more popular and have more people getting, clicking on our videos and on our tags. All this we do because that's the center of our life. Something, listen, a hub, a winch, all of our life, it revolves around the decisions you and I make on a daily basis, influenced by that thing in the center. Your heart, my heart, was designed for God. It was designed to worship God. And either God is at the center of my life, and if not, then there's an idol at the center of my heart. And that idol or God, either one, influences you and me in such a way that it affects all the things that we do. It affects our thinking. It affects our living. It affects the the decisions we make on a daily basis. For the believer, our life is to be centered on God. Realize this. God doesn't want to be on the periphery. He wants to be right at the center. He doesn't just want a segment of our life. He wants to be the hub, the thing that influences everything that happens throughout the week. My life, your life is to revolve around him, much as the planets revolve around the sun. So often we think, as the world once did, that you know what, the earth was the center and everything revolved around it. We act like that a lot of times. Everything revolves around us, but the brutal reality is this. No, everything revolves around God, either in obedience or disobedience. Now, this is vital to understand, we who worship God, listen, because it's possible, even when you come into the house of God, that you and I forget that God is to be the center of our life. Our aim, our, our affections, our concentration, all focused on Him. But this is serious because when we practice religion, it's possible that, you know what, you can be focused on the activity and miss Him. It's possible that you and I can fall into some mindset, listen, that isn't God-centered, but it's religion-centered. And, and we live in a performance-oriented culture, and, and that affects even our, our, our practice of religion. And so I have to be on guard against that, because if I'm not focused on Him, I, I might miss what He's doing in and around me. Godliness is not just merely being at church, though being at church is important to being godly. It's not merely doing ministry, though serving the Lord is important. It's not even certain disciplines that make me godly. It's, it's God properly oriented, my heart unfocused on him at the center of my life. Psalm 115 says, listen, you and I become like the object we worship. Whatever's at the center of my life, we will become like it. And in fact, it's, it's amazing what the psalmist would say over there, that, that the heathen who worship all the idols, they, they become like the thing they worship. You, you worship money, you'll begin to, to, to be like it. You'll do everything you can to acquire it and, 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 and pour out your life and in the end discover it was worthless. But what I invest my time with, what I invest my, invest my talents with, what I invest my resources in, that tells me what's the center of my life. And for you and for me, listen, this is more than just being in church for an hour on Sunday morning. This is to be a manner of living the way we conduct ourselves. And Peter's going to address this, how you and I listen as the people of God, a holy nation who've been called unto him, we are to put him at the center of our life as the Holy One. Realizing this, he's set apart, he's distinct, and you and I are to be the same way. How do I center my faith on God in my journey of faith? Peter was writing to some strangers, much like wanderers, like Augustine was, like some of us this morning. 
And he is trying to help them reorient and focus in the world in which they live to focus on God. And so we want to do that this morning. So I want you to stand with me and honor the word of the Lord as we read just these five verses, verse 13 through 17 of 1 Peter chapter 1. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, Peter says, be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming ourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it's written, be holy for I am holy. And if you call on the Lord Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Father, we pray for that holy reverence, Lord, that recognizes you are God and we are not. That, Father, you made us, Lord, to be at the center of our lives. Lord, we were made to focus our life on you. One day we will in heaven. Father, I pray today if there's any before me, Lord, who have not placed Christ at the center of our life, not placed you at the center of our life, Lord, not realized everything that you've done to bring redemption to us, Lord, God, I pray today that you'd awaken us, Lord, that your spirit would convict us. And that, Father, you would draw us to you and help us to repent and place our faith and trust in you to save us from our sins. Thank you, Jesus. You shed your blood just for that. And, Father, may we realize that today. And may we take everything captive to just who you are and what you've done because you're at the center of our life. We ask this all in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Peter was writing to Christians who were considered strangers in this world. Do you realize today this world is not our home? Amen. We are just passing through. You and I were made for eternity. We were made for living in the presence of God for eternity. We were made to reflect His glory. Peter says, listen, as you are traveling, as you're pilgrims walking through this life, you should consider yourself strangers and aliens. We, we live, listen, with tent pegs because we realize at any moment God can pull this tent up and take it to its final abode. We, we live, listen, our faith is strange to the world around us. We realize they don't understand nor think the way we do. But as we do that, our journey is focused on Him, focused on the Lord, focused on God as the center of our life. And the reality is, if we're honest today, it's not easy to live in this world and pursue godliness when the world in which we live is an anti-God world. And it wants to conform us to its image But you can pursue godliness in a polluted world. You can. And the way you do that is by listening. Last week, as we learned, it's having the right disposition to God's word. And then today, learning that I've got to be God-centered in my living, in my ways of being. I have to focus my thoughts on God. Now, I need to do that because one day, our God is coming. He is coming again. Therefore... Listen, hey, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober and rest your hope on that grace that's going to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor Chris, I've already received the grace of God. Why do I need more? You're right. 
Paul would tell Titus over in Titus chapter 2 that the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared. Jesus came, praise God, amen? And he gave us grace. We were saved by grace through faith. But you know, we didn't get all the grace that we needed right then. I don't know about you, but I need grace every day. And everything that I am, it is by the grace of God. I live in the grace of God. I need that amazing grace. And praise God, there's plenty of it. And yet there's even more that awaits us. And we will experience it when Christ comes a second time. Now, now Christ is going to be the center of my life when I focus on his coming. And what I need to do is get my mind right. Listen, I'm not made for this world. I'm made for the one that is to come. I'm made for his throne. Listen, this world right now, we think so much, listen, that everything just revolves around us. We do oftentimes. It's something that they have to get out of us from childhood, right? Infancy. I mean, you just stop and think, little ones, man, they think the world revolves around them. And if we don't mature and grow up, we stay in that immature mindset. But the reality is this, God is the center of everything. He's the center of this world. He's the center of heaven. And one day he's coming and he's going to reestablish that fact on this earth. And he's going to invite, he invites you and I to recognize that today. And so Peter says, man, get your mind straight, get your mind focused. In fact, he says it this way, gird up the loins of your mind. Now the picture he uses here is a word picture. And as a fisherman, you would understand it. Imagine him having a long robe and being there on the Sea of Galilee. And he's got to get to work. And what does he do? Well, if he wore that robe, he would be in it would be encumbered. He'd be encumbered. He wouldn't be able to do the work because his legs would get tripped up. So what they would do is they reach down and they grab that, that robe and they tie it around and tuck it in their belt. And then they could walk around freely and do the things they needed to do. And he says, that's what you and I need to do with our mind. We need to prepare ourselves to think right. Kind of like this. We use a phrase. We wouldn't say, pick up your, 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 your robe. We wouldn't say that, would we, men? No. We'd say it this way. Roll up your sleeves, Right? Get ready to work. Get ready to do the things that are necessary by thinking right, thinking straight, applying your mind. And if there's anything that's happened in the church today, it's stop thinking straight. And I'll tell you that. You need to think seriously and prepare your minds for action. Prepare your minds to live the right way. And that means not only thinking seriously, but thinking soberly. It's a participle, which means it's an ongoing action that you and I need to make sure that we are removing from our ways of thinking those intoxicants from the world, the worldly ways of thinking that will cause you and I not to be sober-minded, but to be influenced by the things of this world. Worldly philosophies, worldly ways of thinking. Man, it comes to us, listen, in the media especially, it's very difficult, listen, when you just consume over and over again so much of that media, so much through our phones, and, 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 and just it's got us trapped. We don't realize it sometimes. But they're trying to program your mind, the world is, as you do that. We've got to think seriously and think soberly as we focus on this, that you know what? We need to think eternally because Christ is coming and our God is coming. And if he's going to be, listen, in heaven, he's the center of heaven. And if we're going to live like that with God at the center of heaven, we should begin to do that now. With God at the center of my life. Everything you and I do, realizing this, that one day I am living not for this world, but for the world that is to come. And so I make my decisions in light of eternity. I mean, when you weigh it in the scales, the, the now and the then, the, the temporal and the eternal, 
that when I weigh those things out in the scales, then I need to realize that the decisions that I'm making today, listen, they can impact today, but man, if they impact tomorrow, that's especially eternity, that lasts forever. So make wise decisions. And the reality that Christ is coming, and he's coming again, should, choose, should influence you and I to make choices to live godly lives. You see this over in 1 John chapter 3, verse 3. You might want to just write that in the margin of your Bible, 1 John 3, 3. Because what John would say over in his epistle in 1 John chapter 3 is this. He says, listen, everyone who has this hope, what hope? The hope that Christ is coming. He purifies himself just as he is pure. Peter's saying the same thing here. You'll find it also in the, in the Apostle Paul when he writes, my mindset when I'm focused on God who is coming to establish his rightful place in the created order as the center of it, my mindset right now should be centered on God himself. And I do that, and as I do that, expecting his return, living my life, as one commentator would say, in the future tense, living my life in the light of eternity, then the decisions I make today, realizing that they could affect eternity and have a great significance there, I want to put God at the center of my life right now. I don't want to wait till then. I want to do that now. And as I do that, that influences every aspect of my living, the daily decisions that I make. Now, I need to realize this. I want to be God-centered, not just because he's coming and he will be the center of everything when he returns, but right now, God has made you and made me to be his children. We do this, notice what he says in verse 14, as obedient children. Or in verse 15, he'll say this. I'm sorry, in verse 17, as we call on the one who is father. As obedient children, we're not conforming ourselves to the former lusts as in our ignorance, but... As he who called us is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Peter's saying, listen, I want to live a God-centered life because the God who called me is a holy God. And I'm supposed to be like him. The sad thing today is, listen, the church has forgotten whose we are. We belong to him. He is our father. He has given us new life. And you and I, as his children, are supposed to obey him. And obeying means submitting, surrendering to the precepts and principles that he has given to us. How do we do that? We put him at the center of our world. Now, this is tied to last week. Listen, if you missed last week, you need to go back and listen to it. Because carefully, your disposition towards the word will influence everything. If you believe God has spoken, you will not despise. Remember the Hebrew word? Buzz. You won't despise what God says. You will revere what God says. And when I revere what God says, listen, the father is speaking to me as his child. He's giving me instruction. I don't want to say, dad, I don't need that. No, I need to hear what the father is telling me. And I want to obey him. You know why? Because I want to please my dad. I want to please my father. I want his smile. I want him to look down and go, well done. That's my son. That's my daughter. That's the child of God there. In fact, he saved us. Look over at verse 2 of chapter 1. God saved us. He chose us. He elected us according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Listen, in sanctification of the Spirit for what? For obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. God saved us to obey. 
And we needed him to. Why? Because in our former way of living, when we were conformed or influenced by our former lust, when we were ignorant, do you know how we lived? Not as obedient children, as disobedient children. In fact, Paul would say in Ephesians chapter 2, we were children of darkness, we were children of doom, we were children of disobedience. The same spirit that is influencing the world right now, that influences the sons of disobedient, we once were. You and me. But God showed us mercy. And that changed everything. And now no longer do I live ignorant. No, I live knowledgeable, aware of everything that I need for life and godliness, as Peter would say over in 2 Peter chapter 1. God's given us everything we need for life and godliness through this true knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so the Father has made us his children. Our identity is in him. And as his child, I want to put him at the center of my life. And so do you. By the way, that's what your Savior did. Amen? What did Jesus, the Son of God, do? He came not to do his will, but the will of his Father. And he did that. So much so that Father in heaven would say, Man, behold my Son in whom I'm well pleased. If that spirit of Christ dwells within you and me, then we as the children of God should do likewise. Amen? God should be at the center of my heart and of my mind. Now listen, a slave obeys because he has to, but a child obeys, listen, because he wants to. He wants to obey his father. Or as Paul would say over in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, and then again in verses 8 identifying even those Ephesians, calling to them, giving them an imperative of how they should live. He would say, listen, walk as children of love. Walk as children of light. Why would we walk in love? Why would we walk in light? Because God is love and God is light. We want to imitate him. You've heard that phrase, like father, like son. You look at your family pictures and you say, oh man, he's a spitting image, isn't he? She's a spitting image just looks like your mama, just like, looks like her daddy. He looks like his daddy. You and I as the children of God should look just like our father. And that's what he says. The one who's called you to obedience, to be obedient children, just as he's called you, he's holy. You also be holy in all your conduct. As, as children of God, that's how we should be. Not conformed to this, this former lust we once had. There was a way, listen, we used to think we put other things at the center of our life and it conforms us because we become like the object we worship. But we've left that behind, man. That's, that's a waste. I don't want that anymore. Solomon said that in Ecclesiastes. Uh, Augustine said it in his own life when he confessed and he wrote his book, The Confessions. And, and he looked back on his life and he realized, man, how empty, how vain were those pursuits. And really, it wasn't until he realized that that great big gaping hole within him could only be filled by God and that's what we need to discover is I need to put God at the center of my life and live my life you need to live your life focused on him hearing him speak and when you hear him speak because you revere what he says then you know what your conduct reveres what he tells you to do because you would revere God and so we want to live that way now, we do that because he is a holy God. In fact, it's written that way. Peter quotes Leviticus here in verse 16. He quotes from Leviticus chapter 11, verse 44. In fact, you can find this phrase over and over in the book of Leviticus. Over and over again. You shall be holy, for I 
am holy. What does he mean, holy? Well, the idea of holy is this. It means being set apart. Would you agree God is holy other? He's transcendent. There is none like him, right? He is, he is so far above us. He's holy other. But he's also, that's metaphysically, okay? But morally, he is holy pure. Infinitely pure. And it's that aspect, I think, is what he's hitting at. That you and I should be set apart to God. And just as he is holy, pure, so we too should be pure. And someone says, well, wait a second, Pastor Chris. This is the law. I, th I thought as believers, we're in the age of grace. What do we do with the law? I mean, do we have to keep the law? Can anyone keep the law? I thought it was the whole point of Paul's explanation in, in both Galatians and Romans. Listen, if we could keep the law and do something to be righteous with God, then Christ died in vain. No, no, no. Here's what happened. You see, Christ came and he wrote a new covenant. We celebrate it every time we partake of the, uh, of the Lord's Supper here. We celebrate a sacrifice was offered for us because we couldn't keep the law. We couldn't make ourselves righteous. And Christ was broken. He paid the penalty that, that our breaking the law demands, which is the wages of sin is death. And he died, and, and, but he also drank a cup, and he said, listen, this cup is the new covenant written in my blood. What's the covenant? It's this, the new covenant over in the book of Jeremiah says this, that God is going to put his law into our hearts. The tablets, the external thing we couldn't keep is now internalized, and God gives us his spirit who enables us to obey the law. Does that save us? No, but it's because we're saved now that I just want to honor the Father. I want to live my life in a way that pleases Him. And because He is holy, I want to live holy. I don't want to live holy as though it's going to make me holier than thou, right? No. I want to live holy because I'm a reflection of Him. And I want my life to bring glory and honor to His name. And so we live that way. In fact, we are stamped holy unto the Lord in a sense. We're, we're vessels, just as if you went to the sanctuary and, or, the, uh, or to the tabernacle or the temple and you went into worship, what you would find there is, is you know, all those priests, they had all these uh, instruments, they had these vessels that would collect blood for the sacrifices or offer up incense. And, and all those, all those, uh, uh, all those uh, elements that they had, they were all stamped holy to the Lord. In other words, you didn't have a basin or a pot that you would use that day as a, as a Levitical priest in the temple and then say, well, I'm going to take this home and cook something at home on it. You wouldn't do that. That, that was set apart unto the Lord. It, it was for use in worship there in the tabernacle or in the temple. In the same way, Paul would tell Timothy, uh, that you know what, in, in a house there's many vessels, some for honor and some for dishonor. We're vessels that God fills with his presence and, and, and our lives are be, to be worshiping him. And, and that happens when we realize that God is at the center of our life and I want to live my life this way. This setting apart, it's fascinating when you go back over there to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Look at it again over there at the very beginning of this chapter. We were elect according to the foreknowledge of God, listen, in sanctification of the Holy Spirit. We were set apart. We were to be living holy because of the Holy Spirit's presence in our life. 
when I apply this instruction, what that means is, listen, for the believer, if you are set apart to the Lord and with God at the center of my life, living my daily life, listen, here's what that means. When you leave church today, you don't leave and leave a spiritual world and walk into a secular world. We don't leave the sacred and go into the secular. For the believer, everything is sacred wherever we go. We don't divide, you know, well, I, that's, that's what I do at church. And now I go do something different because I'm not at church. Because listen, with God at the center of my life, listen, the temple is right here. Everywhere you and I go, we are doing sacred things. That's the mindset you have to have for living godly is to realize this influences me more than just for an hour on Sunday morning. This, this influences the way I conduct myself, I live. This, is, this influences the decisions that I make at, at the business where I work or as a businessman or as an employee, the way I work. It affects, listen, even my food and drink, the things that I do. Paul would tell the Corinthians, hey, listen, whether you eat or drink, do it as unto the Lord. Why? Because everything you and I do should be stamped wholly unto the Lord. Because it's a reflection of God at the center of my life. And then that just radiates and influences everything I do. This is essential to godliness. It's essential that I have the right disposition to what God has said, his word. And as I do that, then I revere him. And then because I realize he's holy, I stand back and I say, I revere him. And now my life gives evidence and testimony of that. Now here's why this is critical. Because one day he's coming to judge our conduct. Everything that we do is going to be assayed. He's going to weigh it out. He's going to put it in the, he's going to examine it all with his fiery eyes. And he's going to sift and see right through it. Now what's important is to see here in verse 17. You might want to circle this little if right here in verse 17. Because in the Greek it's what we call a conditional uh, it's a conditional sentence. And what that means, if it's got an indicative verb, and you say, what does all that mean, gibberish? I'm gonna, here, here's what it means, ready? That if actually means since, all right? It's not if, uh, maybe I am, I don't know, maybe I'm not a child. No, 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 no. Peter is saying, because you are, since you are one who calls on the Father as a child of God, if that is true of me today, since I do that, by the way, Without partiality, he judges according to each one's work. Conduct yourself, how? Through the time of your stay here, in reverence or in fear. God is not going to judge me and judge you for our sin if we're a believer. Christ took care of that at the cross. At the cross, he took our sin and he bore it all to the cross. Praise God. He said, it's finished. Nothing else is needed. Once for all time, he offered the sacrifice for our sin. That's why we repent and put our faith and trust in his sacrifice and say, I trust in the one who paid the penalty for me. My faith rests in him and I want him to be my savior and Lord. God's not gonna judge us for that sinful conduct. Christ already took care of that for us. What, what conduct then are we judged for? We will stand before the judgment the Bema Seat of Christ, not the great white throne judgment, before the Bema Seat of Christ. And there, listen, we will be rewarded for what we have done in our service to Him. In fact, the connotation here is, listen, God is not impartial. 
He's not going to have any spoiled children there. He knows the activity of all his children. In fact, if he's got a child that's disobeying, he will discipline them because he loves his children. And you and I, as we serve him, one day we will stand before him and, and he will assess all that we have done in serving him. Why we did what we did. And he will reward us for our faith. The idea of judging here in the Greek has the idea that, listen, God will reward us after he examines us and gives us what we justly deserve. Now, praise God. I should be living for that reward. And I do that when I realize every day, God, you're the center of my life. One day I'm going to stand before you and give a testament, give what you're fully aware of I'm doing even now. And Lord, when I stand there that day, I want you to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And reward me for that. Now listen, this helps me to make sure that my religious activity is rightly oriented. Not on me and my name and my abilities and all that I am. No, no, no. It's oriented on who God is. And what he wants to do. His plans and his purposes. And the privilege that he gives you and gives me is that we get to serve him and we get to represent him in this world as his ambassadors and we're gifted by his spirit. And what we do is we reverence him. We stand in awe of who he is and we just stand back and say, who am I that you could use me? And the amazing thing is he does. He just takes weak, broken vessels, fills them with his spirit and with his love and then enables us to serve him. That happens when he is at the center of my life. And beloved, he needs to be the center of your life today. You see, what's it going to be to make Christ and God the center of my life? It means you and I have to bend the knee and bend the heart and say, you're God and I'm not. And acknowledge, Lord, I need you. And if you don't, you will be restless every day of your life because you're trying to find something that's satisfied and you will never find it apart from him. But the moment you and I decide to put Jesus and to put God at the center of our life, everything changes. Everything changes all throughout your life. And that's what Peter's instructing us to do. Listen, you are wandering through this land. We are strangers, we are aliens, and our faith is quite different from the world, but our behavior should be different as well. And that is going to be the case when you and I put him at the center and live as holy children as the Holy Father who chose us. He elected us. He set us apart for this. He sanctifies us by his spirit for this. He, he leads us into wisdom or into obedience in the sprinkling of the blood of Christ. In fact, so much so that over in chapter 2, he'll say, listen, we're to be a holy nation. In fact, all throughout this epistle, it's amazing time and time again. How many times you will say, listen, stop and think. This world may think it's strange that you don't do the same things they, they do. But you've been saved. You, you've been redeemed. You and I live a different life now. In fact, you and I are supposed to follow the example of Christ, the Passover lamb who was offered up for us. In fact, you should live your life with an expectancy, just as God's people did when, when they are awaiting the deliverance, the exodus from the bondage of, of Egypt. You and I should live with that same expectation to, to leave this world. He could come at any moment. We should live this way. And if you need to recapture the, the passion for holiness and for godly living, it begins, listen, by my disposition to what God says, and then am I willing to place him at the center of my life? Why? Because then what you and I do is we learn to do this. We learn to take everything captive. 
Everything that happens in life, we take it captive to the knowledge of who God is and what he's commanded us. And with him at the center of my life, as the hub of my life, I'm able to do that. You're able to do that. And maybe it's the case today you need to get on the altar because you know what? You've had the wrong hub in your life, living for the wrong things. You need to realize today, man, I need to put God at the center of my life again. Man, to lead our homes, God has to be the center of our life. In our personal walk with Christ. And even next week when we focus on Jesus Christ and then on the Holy Spirit, we'll see how all these members of the Trinity influence our ways of thinking and our ways of living so that we can be godly. And when you stop and you consider the work of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, how my attitude should change in regard to the way that I live, living each day for Him, considering what He's done to accomplish my salvation and what my response should be. Find your rest in God this morning. Put him at the center of your life if you've never done it. It will radically change your life.